Close your eyes, leave all your troubles behind. Yes, it's fine. Come kick it with me in my imagination. In my imagination. Well, sometimes my mind plays these tricks on me. Sometimes, and I'll find that my mind climbs higher than it should climb. Welcome to episode 95 of Eat, Sleep, Run, Repeat, the running podcast for the average runner. Just myself, Wooly, in the studio tonight. Uh, The rest of the boys are also busy coming into Christmas. I'm pretty busy too, so I thought I'd just jump on myself and um, have a bit of a chat, go through the GC50 results. I've actually recorded a couple of podcasts already um planned for the holiday period done that sort of strategically uh i figured you know coming into christmas everyone's gonna sort of maybe slack off with their training a bit get a bit slack with their diet and maybe you know drink a few too many beers so i've got some like motivational uh stories coming up i've um just done an interview with a guy called Danny Kennedy. He um, has the, a really huge podcast called the Life uh, Lifestyle and Fitness Podcast, I think it's called. It's uh, massive. He gets like millions of downloads um, and he's just a, a, a whiz with um, uh, nutrition and fueling and all that sort of stuff. And he's a great talker. So stay tuned for that one. That's going to come out. And uh, yeah, like I said, I'm going to just um, coming into Christmas, going to try and keep it inspiring and motivational. So at the end of this um, GC 50 results, I'm going to um, go into a bit of a possibly inspiring, but maybe motivational as well um, story from my tie boxing days. Like I did, uh, I did an episode when we really first started the podcast about uh, a fight that I had, I ended up doing a podcast on, on, uh, Maddie 3am 365 podcast down the Gold Coast called any given chance. Um, he listened to that podcast and enjoyed it and wanted me to go down there and have a chat to him about that. So I've done that and, uh, this is going to be similar to that. Yeah. So what I'll basically do is go through the GC 50 results and, um, we'll, uh, get into that sort of story a bit later on so yeah gc50 man absolutely brutal conditions as we predicted i think um it was probably like 35 40 degrees down there while they're while they're running uh apparently there was people um dropping like flies left right and center uh from the people i know that that run it but yeah so the men's 50k was taken out by Dean Edmonds in 3.14.07. Second place was Kyle Wees in 3.21.38. And third place was Matt Cooper in 3.22.34. So absolutely flying. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure what the splits would be on that 3.14. That, yeah, it'd be... Uh, Probably sort of like 345, something like that. I might check that in a minute. But um, the women's was won by Marnie Ponton in 315.46. She actually came second overall with that time. Uh, second place female was Rinnie Ringy in 337.17. 
And third place was Kyoko Murira in 351.52. So that was the 50K results. The 25K uh, men's race was taken out by Kyle Loth in 128.43. Second place was David Vernon in 129.53. Third place was Tom Brimlow in 131.38. Uh, the women's was won by Jess Willis, as we uh, spoke to her about that last week, in 142.17. Second place was Shara Jones in 146.53. And third place was Katie Haywood in 148.16. Uh, so uh, the next race is a 12K. So there was a few different events on the day. I think there was a 5.12. 25 and 50. So the 12K was won by Dom Theodos in 41.45. Second place was Anthony Ferrugia in 42.05. Third place was Matt McKenzie in 43.38. So they were all pretty close together. Yeah, that would have been a good race to watch that. Um, the women's was won by Tennille Ellis in 43.44. Second place was Tamara Carvolth in the 43.59. Third place was Megan Banner in 47.22. So pretty close for the first two women there. Tennille Ellis, she, she, she wins everything. Um, it's uh, She's a good runner. Okay, so 5K, I thought was worth mentioning because there's some really quick time. So I think a lot of, um, usually at these events, the 5K is usually left for the, sort of like the kids. But uh, I think just because of the heat, a lot of uh, the decent runners actually ran the um, the 5K. So that was won by Luke Gorski in 1558. Uh, second place was Ben Vickery in 1602. And third place was David Fontana in 1609. Yeah, geez, they're good times for these conditions. Like it was just so hot. I really did feel bad for all these guys competing down there. But the women's 5K was won by Pippa Anderson in 17.41. Second place was Claire Batkowski in 18.13. Third place was Abby O'Shea in 18.52. So some pretty awesome, awesome runs there. And um, uh, local runners that run the 50K uh, that, that are worth giving a mention. Uh, I mean, Adrian Royce is in the uh, 50 to 59 age group. He's run 347 on the dot. Um, Arvi Singh had a really good run, three hours 40.08. He uh, he really struggled in the back end of that, of that race, but uh, yeah, he's still pretty happy with that. Probably run of the day, possibly run of the year, really. Um, former guest of the show a couple of times, more of a friend of the show. He's got to win local legend with this performance. He Samuel Hyam has run 334.54 for the 50K. Now, that put him in eighth position overall. And um, not only that, like Sam has never run a sub three-hour marathon in an actual marathon. I'm not sure what his marathon PB is, but I know he hasn't broken three hours. He's gone through the marathon in 
eight or two fifty nine in this run. So like that is and just the conditions that these guys are running in. That is just an incredible run. Um, locally, like the running groups are all very, very impressed by that. So um, if you're interested in getting coached by Sam, you check him out on uh, Instagram, tidy as run coaching. He's on fire and that is got to be run of the year. Um, definitely wins local legend for the show this week. Um, well done, Sam. Um, he's a great guy and he's just been training religiously this year and has, has been improving all the time. So absolutely stoked for him to, uh, to produce that. Also got to give a shout out. He couldn't be with us cause he's working like mad at the bakery is the Spartan Steve Sparling in 106th place run two hours and one minute and 40. That was in the 25 K event. So he's bounced back from injury and had a great run there. Uh, also worth mentioning one of the striders, Anthony Falster was 38th in an, in a time of one hour, 50 08, another cracking run. Um, yeah, so there's uh, quite a few good local runs in there, but yeah, another great event from what I've, um, what I heard, I did, I couldn't get down there on the morning, but I run locally and it was just, the conditions were just so hot. Like I genuinely felt sorry for anyone who was running down there, but that's what you sign up for <laughs> running these massive events this time of year. So well done everyone who run and, um, I'm sure they'll be back for the same event to cop it all again next year. Yeah. That wraps up the GC 50 results. I hope I haven't, um, forgotten anyone. But yeah, like I said, at the start of the podcast, coming into Christmas, I was, I was thinking we should be trying to like share motivational, inspiring stories, things to help people stay on track with their fitness and nutrition as it's coming into Christmas. We're all uh, likely to blow out a little bit, maybe drink a bit too much, uh, eat a bit too much. And I mean, you know, it's Christmas, so everyone should do that, but it's good to sort of stay on track if you can as well. And, um, like I said, I interviewed Danny Kennedy, um, from the lifestyle and fitness podcast earlier this week, sorry, late last week. And, um, I love his podcast. I listen to it all the time and he sometimes just jumps on, um, and just has a rant for 30 minutes. And I, I really enjoy them episodes. And I thought, well, Whilst everyone's too busy to jump on, I might share a bit of a um, maybe motivational story for some people from my past. You know, if you're sick of hearing about the old fight stories, probably um, turn this one off now. But if you're interested in listening, I'll tell you my story, a little bit more of it anyway. And um, yeah, like this, I kind of tell some of the younger guy, younger guys at the gyms if I'm coaching or anything, I always tell them this story because it's sort of like super important. And you hear me sort of sometimes saying things like, oh, you know, the universe will look after if you do this or, you know, that's just the way the universe works. And yeah, I'm not like a super religious guy or anything, but I definitely believe in karma. And, um, you know, if you try and go for something and you're not quite ready for it, like most times, you'll sort of come up short and it's like the universe just saying you, you haven't earned it yet. And, um, this story that I'm going to tell you is kind of 
an example of that happening and then and also an example of just how being a real stubborn um prick like me how it can finally it can pay off towards the end but yeah so if you listen to episode three i might link that in the in the description i talked about winning that first um state title up the sunshine coast sort of against all odds and you know change of opponents last minute and um kind of having everything sort of thrown at you and i rolled the dice and i ended up coming away with the victory and uh, it was pretty yeah, it was a real highlight sort of moment of my life. You know, one of them sort of memories that you'll, you'll take to the grave. But after I'd won that state title, I went back to the gym and I was still training and I'm like, well, I could pull a pin now and quit because I've won a title belt. I can put that on the mantelpiece forever. And, you know, I can talk about it till the cows come home and, and, uh, and bore people with stories like I'm going to tell you guys now, but I, after that sort of the dust settled from that, um, I kind of was like, well, what next? And then I thought, you know, what would be pretty cool if I could tell people that I was a Queensland and an Australian champion. And I thought, oh no, I probably would never get that far. So I kind of, that was just sort of like bubbling away in the back of my mind. And then, you know, the next year started because that, that title fight was right at the end of the year. So we had the Christmas break and all that. And then we got back into training and then kind of like, what's the next goal? We kind of thought, well, maybe we could get me because I was a little bit older too. So we were sort of rush, not rushing, but we were pushing me through the process of, uh, of all that sort of stuff, sort of a little bit quicker and pushing a bit harder than you would with anyone else, just because of my age. Cause I was sort of, I was about 30, I think at the time which is old for a fighter, um, especially when you're fighting, you know, guys in their late teens and early twenties, like it's a, it's a young man's sport. And, um, so I don't really know how it happened, but somehow I got matched against the guy to fight for a, um, a vacant Australian title. I think I might've had after that Queensland title fight, I might've had one, two, three, possibly four more fights before this happened. And, um, I got matched against this guy, Ash Vanderveld for, um, a vacant, uh, super welterweight Australian title, got matched on one of our own shows, you know, so I was the hometown guy, uh, everything was kind of looking in my favor. Um, Ash was a really good, uh, local tie boxer. He'd, I think he'd, he might've had a few, he might've had a couple of belts, like maybe a Queensland and an, and an Australian title in a different sanctioning body. Um, but he was definitely worthy of the um, Australian title. So we um, took that fight and I was pretty confident that I could beat him because I'd actually sparred him a couple of times in the gym, but yeah, I thought I was getting the better of him, but <laughs> on the night, yeah, it was, um, it was totally different actually fighting him you know, in a legit fight, um, he was way more skilled and, um, and just way more, um, crafty than I expected. And, um, after like, yeah, like a five round battle, like an absolute slugfest, I lost on points, which I definitely lost that fight. I, I could comfortably say I lost on points, but it was pretty close. And, um, I went away from that feeling real down, like really down in the dumps about it. Now I look back and I think 
that was the universe telling me that I was trying to take a shortcut and I just wasn't quite ready for it. You know, I had to earn it. I didn't know at the time I was just feeling sorry for myself, but anyway, back to the drawing board, let the dust settle. Another, I think another one fight that I won about six months after that, Robbo, the coach at the gym put on another fight promotion. He put on a, it was the first ever fight show at the Eaton Seal Tavern. Uh, it was called Adrenaline Unleashed or something like that. It was it had MMA and Thai boxing, so it was in a cage. And um, he said to me, I've got you a guy from Perth who's living in Thailand. He's from, uh, yeah, he's, he was from a really strong gym in Perth, and we're going to fly him over. And uh, you can fight him for a it was under it because the because the fight show was at mixed so it was MMA and Thai boxing it was under a different sanctioning body so it was the same weight division but a different sanctioning body Australian title and uh, yeah like I say at this point we were, we were just trying to get me one of them belts yeah I trained my absolute life out for this fight I took it dead serious I did everything correct with the weight cut um, everything right in the gym. I did take a huge knock on the shin um, about two weeks out from the fight, which I thought was going to put me out of it. I had a massive, um, like, golf ball-sized lump on my left shin, and um, it just didn't go down. It wasn't broken or anything. It, it was sore, but it wasn't, like, super sore. Like, I could still train on it. And I knew that once the fight started, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice about it. Like, you know, you want your adrenaline to pump in. It wouldn't bother me. I just knew that I'd be fine. Anyway, when we did the actual weigh-in at the um, Eaton Seal Tavern, it was in like the like outdoor beer garden where they where they show the UFC fights and that. Like it was, um, yeah, it was a pretty big deal. A few hundred people watching and women like drunk women going bananas when we took our shirts off and got into our undies and that. And um, <laughs> it's pretty pretty wild. And um, when we actually did the weigh-in, we we worked out to try and hide my shin from this guy. So he didn't see that there was a massive like cricket ball on my bloody shin. So I, I weighed in and quickly kind of put like tracky pants back on over my leg so that he didn't see it. I talked to him afterwards, but he, he had no idea, but I thought that he had actually seen my leg when I was slipping me, um, me pants back on. But um, yeah, we did the weigh in based off, um, there was a guy named Cheech, uh, Chris Cheech Daniels, I think his name was, and he was from the KSOC gym in Perth, which is a really strong, um, Thai boxing gym, one of the best in the country. Anyway, uh, night of the fight comes, I've got the usual crew in my corner, but we've got a new guy, um, who'd come, just come over from England at the time, um, Jeff Bullock, and he'd started helping out coaching in the gym and, uh, once Jeff started coaching us in the gym, we all um, really improved. Like his, yeah, he'd, he'd coached like loads and loads of champion fighters in the UK and he, he just had really good um, training methods, really good fight IQ. Yeah, I went into that fight feeling pretty confident. Like I, th I felt like I'd done everything right weight-wise. I trained really well. I'd learn a few new tricks from Jeff. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I'd, I could have taken this guy out sort of thing. Anyway, after five, um, five rounds of like, you know, quite sort of good level tie boxing, 
I thought I'd done enough to to win the fight. I was I was pretty confident I'd won. I lost on a split decision. Um, so that was the the second Australian title that I'd lost, and I took this one real. I did. I took it really badly. I really. I went into a bit of a depression after. I was so disappointed. Just, you know, one of them moments where you're for weeks you're laying in bed at night just like looking at the ceiling thinking what did I do wrong like why didn't I do this should I have done more of this in training should should I have approached it differently should I have done this why when he did this why didn't I do that you know you just you're killing yourself overthinking all this stuff the thing was is I wanted to finish on that fight win it because I was getting married about a month or six weeks after it in Bali and so I just wanted to get married, pull a pin with the, with Thai boxing and kind of sail off into the sunset as an Australian champion. But um, like I said before, like the universe was just telling me, look, you're almost there, but you're not quite there yet. You're, you're still trying to take a shortcut. So I let the dust settle from that one. I went to Bali. I got married. I stayed fit, stayed healthy. But I took that really badly. Like I really, I was really down about it. And I, I decided that like things had to change. I had to, I had to make a change because I was running out of time. By this stage, I was probably 30, 33, 34, maybe, uh, probably 33. And, um, I was definitely feeling like, you know, I didn't want to do this for much longer, but I didn't want to like. I'm a pretty stubborn person and like once I've got something in my mind that I want to do, like I just won't stop until I've done it. And so I had it in my mind that I was, whatever happened, I was going to end with an Australian title wrapped around my belt before I stopped tie boxing, whether it killed me or not. So yeah, so I let the dust settle from that one. We'd got married in Bali. I come back. I decided to take a bit of a break. Um, from going because the gym that I used to train at was at Redcliffe and it was like it's 30 minutes drive there and 30 minutes drive home so it's like another hour of driving on top of all the driving that I do during the day it was just it was pretty draining on me and on my relationship with my um, missus because she just never saw me and you know I was super dedicated uh, and I would you know, if I said I'd go to training to help someone or whatever, even if I wasn't fighting, I'd be there to hold pads for them and, and all the rest of it. And, um, so I thought, look, uh, something's got to change. Um, I need to do something different. And the English guy that had been coaching at the, at the Redcliffe gym had, he lived in North Lakes, uh, in the actual like North Lakes, um, housing estate. And he had actually just started his own gym in North Lakes. And so I started training there and, um, that did cause like some, some problems because, uh, Robbo was, you know, he wanted me to, to, to go to Redcliffe. So I was doing a little bit at Redcliffe and a little bit at North Lakes. And it just got to the point where I was like, man, this is just silly. Like I'm, I'm driving all the way to Redcliffe and there's just no point in doing it when Jeff's gym is just around the corner. And like, whether it was that Jeff had just a whole new load of ideas or a different way of coaching, like I felt like 
I was improving more and learning new tricks by just applying myself to, to the different sort of like methods that he was teaching. So I took nearly a year from that last fight before I actually had a fight, like straight actually out of Jeff's gym, which was called elite Thai kickboxing. I was matched. So my first fight, I'd like, I felt like I changed my style. I'd taken a fair bit of time off from sort of like competing to, um, to just get better. Like I felt like I was sort of just doing the same sort of shit over and over again. And, you know, they say that's the definition of insanity is just doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. So I'd really, really applied myself to try and learn like just completely new things, like how I moved around the ring, my footwork, my head movement. Like these are things I just wasn't doing. And, um, like Jeff, pretty much taught me how to box. Like he put heaps of time into me, like loads of, um, loads of free one-on-one -on -one sessions on the weekends and after hours. And I say he taught me how to box. Like from, you know, most people listening would just be thinking, what he taught you how to punch. Like, no, like he taught me how to box, like boxing. Like there's two ways you can, you can, um, compete in combat sports. One way is to just get in there and have a fight, have a tear up. And then the other way is to have a boxing match and a boxing match means you win on points and you try and take as minimal damage as possible. If not, no damage, you try to just not get hit. And that's the art of boxing. And, um, so Jeff taught me how to box in a tie boxing match. So he taught me how to move, block, slip, counter, you know, all these things that I, I just thought I was too old to learn, but I, I figured out that after a few months I was picking this stuff up. And even though it was sort of hard for me to learn these new combinations and um, the new kind of footwork angles and stuff like that, I actually got it and I started getting pretty good at it. And um, I noticed that it was working when we went to a couple of other gyms to, for like sparring days and guys that I'd sparred previously that I'd had a hard time with, I was all over. And I thought, yeah, this, this shit is actually working. Like I'm, I've learned. I've learned some new stuff and it's really helping me out. So anyway, I got matched, um, to fight out of Jeff's gym and, um, look, it did, it caused a, a load of trouble with my old gym and the old coach. He just, he took it really badly. And I, I still, I feel bad about it to this day, but you know, being a, a pretty loyal guy, like I, I, yeah, it sort of, that, that rattled me a bit too. Like just that whole period of like the, the bad blood between, um, Jeff and Steve, like it was just, yeah, it was a horrible time, but I just knew I had to make a change. And, um, yeah, so me even doing this fight out of the new gym was kind of like, sort of like, you know, big news in the, in the local, like scene, a lot of people talking and, um, you know, you're hearing rumors and people coming over saying, oh, they're saying this about you and all oh, just rubbish, really. Probably none of it was true, but you know, Chinese whispers, um, like that did, that got to me a little bit, but anyway, I got matched to fight, um, this guy on another cage show up the Sunshine Coast. So it was, um, Thai boxing, but in a cage that was kind of all the rage for a little while, um, back then. I got matched to fight this guy, um, from Cairns. He was undefeated, 
but only had had seven fights, I think, but he'd won them all. And I think he'd won them all with um, stoppages. So he was pretty dangerous. But Jeff had watched him and said, nah, look, I know exactly how you can beat him. And um, I was really nervous about fighting him because he was undefeated and he was very cocky. Like he used to dance and stuff when he came, when his uh, ring walkout music was on, he would dance and like he's a proper showman and he was very full of himself. And, um, and then he's used to chop people's legs up to bits with leg kicks and stop them. And uh, I'd never really fought a super, super strong leg kicker. So I was a little bit concerned about that. But anyway, we do the fight. We come up with a whole plan from the way in to the, to the actual fight. Like, so we called the, uh, the way in round one. And we worked out that, you know, he was definitely going to do something to me at the way and like whether he was going to push me or shove me or do something. Cause it was another public way in at, um, it was on the sunshine coast. It was at the wharf tavern and, um, you know, like normally if someone did anything like that, you just, it wouldn't bother me anyway. But you know, when you're in a, you're in such a dehydrated state before a way in like the, all you want to do is drink and lay down like you just feel terrible and um anyway the wayne came and uh yeah he definitely didn't do anything but he definitely tried to intimidate me but i was ready for it and um when we got in the car to leave uh jeff said well we we won round one well done i was like okay cool i thought we won round one too and um and then the next night we go to the venue because he was such a strong leg kicker, we'd worked out to uh, block and move to the right. And uh, the first round I was trying to block, but every time I blocked, he like sort of waited till I put my leg down and kicked my leg. And yeah, he was the hardest leg kicker I've ever fought. I've tried to explain it to people. It felt like getting your, your leg slammed in a car door. That's how it felt when he kicked you. Like it was like getting kicked by a horse and, um, I remember we had um, Grant Sellen, who's like a local, bit of a local legend in Brisbane tie boxing. We had him helping us out in the corner. I went back to the corner after round one and Grant said to me, I know that you can't feel that yet, but he said, trust me, by the time round three comes around, you won't be able to move your legs. So make sure you're blocking them low kicks. And uh, I was like, yep, yep, no worries. And Jeff's, you know, telling me what to do. And, uh, I remember he was telling me, you know, make sure you move to your right and, um, just keep him off balance with your jab and that. But I was thinking in my own mind, like, man, he's just too strong for me. This guy, like he's, he's just hits too hard. And, uh, but I'm appearing confident on the, uh, on the outside. And anyway, I go out the second round, I'm blocking. I, I block a low kick really hard with my, um, my left leg, his, his right low kick. And I remember thinking that hurt you. And he kind of looked at me as if to say, oh man, that hurt. <laughs> and, uh, from that moment on, he eased off on the leg kicks and that made me able to use my jab and my hands a bit better. And I ended up pretty much doing a clinic on him. Like I put it. I, uh, I just put hands and kicks and knees together just perfectly. And I ended up winning the, winning the fight on points. And, uh, that was a, that was a change in my confidence. I, I felt like I had my mojo back. And then, um, next fight was, um, 
for the Australian title. The the one that I lost to the guy in Perth, he'd he'd won the uh, I think the net like the South Pacific title in that um, sanctioning body and weight division. So the Australian title w- was now vacant. So I fought a guy from Brisbane um, for the same belt in uh, it was at actually. It was at Perry Park, the Strikers Soccer Ground. They've got like a massive brand new community center there and they put a tie boxing show on there. It was a a, a preacher fight night, they used to call it, because it was um Adam King, uh famous fighter, Shaggy from Brisbane. It was his brother and uh, a really, really famous world champion tie boxer, Bruce the Preacher McPhee. It was uh their like collaboration. They did all these um fight shows together back in the day. So it was on uh, the preacher fight night 14, I think I was fighting a local guy from Brisbane, Alex Wallace, his name was real tough guy. He dropped down a weight division to, um, to fight me. And this is my like third time to try and win this belt. And after this, I, I had it in my mind. If I lose this, I'm just not at that level. Like I have to accept it, you know? Um, my wife is already like, you know, telling me, don't do this. Don't, you know, enough's enough. Um, what if you get hurt? You know, you don't need to do this. And, um, but I had to do it like me. Um, just once I've got something in my mind that I want to do, I, I'm, I'm going to do it like <laughs> regardless. And, um, I said to her, look, listen, I've just, I have to do this. I have to get this monkey off my back. I just need to be able to tell myself that the belt didn't really mean anything it, it did mean something but the, it was more that i wasn't going to give up until i'd actually achieved the goal and um yeah so i'm fighting this guy alex wallace third time lucky i'm thinking there's so much pressure on because i have to win this fight i don't want to i don't want to lose because it's all over if I lose and I haven't achieved the main goal of the last few years of, um, dedicating my life to this sport. And, um, like I talk to people about this all the time, like the pressure I felt, cause we had a specific game plan. We had a, 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 B and a C plan to fight this guy. So if that a plan didn't work, we'd switch to B and if B didn't work, we'd switch to C. So just remembering all the different plans was enough. The pressure just from that, knowing that I couldn't just go out there and just go to war. Like I had to do what we'd planned to do. The pressure of that was just insane. And like I say to people all the time, you're watching guys like Tyson Fury walk out, Canelo Alvarez walk out. And the like they've got A, B and C plans for their fights, obviously, because they're like true professionals. But the pressure... You know, they've got the entire world stopping to watch them and the pressure they must feel doing that. It's just insane. It must be like that just, yeah, like that's just what separates that, you know, the 99% from the 1% that, that have got it is they can just do it and do it under pressure and stick to the plan and don't panic and they get the job done. That's why they get paid millions and millions of dollars to do it. But even for me on my sort of like small bloody backyard show that I'm fighting on um, in front of a couple of thousand people in Brisbane, like the pressure I felt 
going into that fight because I knew that Jeff would give me a bollocking if I got it wrong or if I did something that we had discussed not to do, like, you know, do a silly spinning kick or something and then get caught and get whacked with something or, you know, just, just make a, make a mistake. So the plan was to go in and fight this guy. And I'd learned, I'd been training with this guy, Dylan Von Cena, who was a world champion, um, jujitsu fighter. And he taught me and it is actually, he was a Australian judo representative. So he taught me basically all the jujitsu and judo that we could use in the rules of Thai boxing. So like not that, that we wouldn't get caught, say cheating, like doing a throw or something, but we were doing, um, like in a reaps and stuff that are legal. And, um, so going, so I'd been practicing all this and I was feeling so confident, like in the gym, when we were clinching on picking people up and chucking them around the gym and just feeling so strong and so powerful in the clinch. And, um, that's something I didn't mention in that previous fight that I had, I was dominant in the clinch, which is probably one of the first times ever that I'd, that I'd like shown proper, like superior strength in the clinch with someone in a, in a boxing ring. And, um, so I thought, uh, well, a plan was to, was to go in there, box and clinch and knee. That was the, we were just going to like take him apart, wear him down. And by the sort of fourth and fifth rounds, he'd hopefully have nothing left and I'd, maybe get a stoppage but um b plan was to kickbox at range and and have a boxing match with him and c was basically to just go to war and like just make it a physical contest of just of like you know fitness because we felt like i was probably the fitter of the two uh, over the five rounds but so my i'm thinking as soon as this fight starts, I'm going to grab a hold of him. I'm going to clinch a knee and I'm going to drain him for this whole first round. I'm not going to let go of him. And, uh, anyway, the bell rings, he hits me with a massive leg kick that I didn't check completely deaded my, um, lead leg. And I remember thinking his corner was screaming, oh, that hurt him. That hurt him. And I remember thinking, shit, another one of them and I'm going down. It's all over. <laughs> and, um, so then I was like, mate, think of concentrate, think of what you got to do. So once he got close enough to me, I grabbed a hold of him to clinch and he literally picked me up like I was a little kid and chucked me across the ring. And so very quickly I had to think on my feet and think, okay, A plan is done. We've got to move to B plan. Don't panic. I'd never done this before. So I'm thinking, don't panic. You can, you've, you've thought this through a thousand times. You can do it. So then we went to B plan and basically had a kickboxing match with him. And as soon as I started boxing, slipping, jabbing, it was easy. It was, a, it was actually an enjoyable fight. And I literally just stayed one shot in front, one punch, one kick, one knee ahead of him at all times. And if I watch back that fight, I don't actually have the DVD of that. It was actually one of the first shows that they put only live on, like they put it on the internet. So you have to pay for a link and then you got to watch it, but it's actually been taken offline. I don't know where to get it from, but anyway, there was actually moments in that fight where I showed flashes of like brilliance for me. Like there was just moments where like, I really showed that I had improved. I'd learned new tricks and I was doing things with style, you know, and I was super relaxed and, I was calm under pressure. A couple of times he bombed me with some big shots and I just maintained my composure. 
and um, got to the end of the fight and I was almost certain that I'd won, but I felt like I'd been robbed a couple of times in the past. And um, they, they read the, uh, the scores out and I won a unanimous points decision. And much like the first Queensland title, the, the relief that I'd done it third time lucky, I'd finally got my green belt. That was the the belt that I was always chasing that green Australian title belt. Finally got it. And, um, I was just, I was over the moon and like what it meant to me was it just meant that the belt was great to have. And it's great to always have hanging on the wall. Like I've still got all the belts there hanging behind me in the studio, but what it meant to me that I just never gave up and when things weren't working, I, I could learn new things and improve and I could get there somehow I ended up getting there and that just, I was so proud of myself for, um, for just being a stubborn prick that I am and not giving up when others would have just pulled the pin and said, Oh man, I'm too old for this shit. Won a couple of state titles. Um, I, at that time I'd had, I'd won three Queensland titles. Uh, was it three? Yeah, I'd won three Queensland titles, but that was my first Australian title belt. And, um, yeah, that was just, it was a really good performance. I was over the moon with it. And I thought that is enough now. I've, I'm, I'm done. I don't have to do it again. I, I can finish. I've won an Australian title. What a way to go out. And, um, long story short, that wasn't the end <laughs> after a couple of months. You're like, what's next? Um, I actually listened to an interview with Tyson Fury and he talks about this and I'm, I've got a very similar personality where like he said, all he dreamt about was winning that world title against, um, Vladimir Klitschko. And, um, he thought that, you know, once he'd won it, his, his life was going to change. He was finally going to feel happiness. He was going to be in, you know, he was going to sail off into the sunset, feel happy with his life. And he said, you, you did feel like that for about a day or two. But then once the dust settles, everything goes back to normal and you're back into your normal, like daily routine. Like that's it. You're back. You've got all your normal daily worries, all your daily problems are there again and nothing's really changed. And that's exactly how I felt. I felt like. I wanted that belt so bad that I like dreamt it into reality. I was, I would lay in bed at night and just visualize taking photos with the boys wearing the belt. And, um, I think they call that like manifesting now. I didn't even know I was doing it. I was just doing it because I just really, really wanted it so badly. I wanted it more than anything. And, um, yeah. So once I actually got that belt and the dust had settled, then I was kind of like, Oh, okay. What now? And, um, a long story short. So after getting the Australian title on the third time, lucky, I ended up winning another Australian title, another fight later. Um, and that was my last ever fight. Like I, I, I was so happy with that performance. I felt like I didn't make any, mis you know, I was probably 99.9% .9 happy with it. And, um, 
I felt like that was good enough to go out on and sort of finish on a high instead of taking another fight and losing it and then thinking, oh, shit, I've got to finish on a win and then having another fight and it just keep going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards until I was kind of like in my 40s doing it. I definitely didn't want to be doing that. But it's been a while since um, we've jumped on here for a bit of story time and um, I thought that people might take something away from that like if you're having a, a crack at a goal, whether it's like fitness or running related and you, you just can't seem to get there, just don't give up, be stubborn. Like don't just blindly run at it and just, you know, just keep smashing yourself with the hopes that something's going to happen and, and you're going to, uh, you're going to, you're going to finally get that win. You've got to be smart, you know, go, approach it with a bit of brains, but don't give in, give it everything you've got. And, uh, one day you'll get there and, uh, and yeah, maybe, maybe for you as well, if you're just not quite there yet, maybe that's the universe just telling you, you just haven't quite earned it yet. But when you finally get to the, the point where you're earning it and the universe will reward you, it'll, it'll all be worth it. And then you've got stories to say, stories to tell sorry like i'm telling this one now yeah like i can take that with me forever that green belt yeah meant meant a lot it was um yeah really showed me what i was made of and um super super proud of it so yeah as we're coming into christmas going to be trying to be sharing more of these um, motivational stories already got one podcast banked going to do another one this week um, and then we've got another guy coming on. I won't, um, spoil it for anyone, but he's a local guy, super, super inspiring story, basically saved his own life. Um, he's coming on soon and yeah, we're going to pump out loads of, um, content as we're coming into Christmas. So you can just, uh, on your holiday, stay tuned and listen to the show. Um, if anyone's still listening, which I highly doubt it, I hope that wasn't too boring and I hope you enjoyed it. I love having a chat, so <laughs> it was easy for me to just sit and ramble. I hope it was um it all made sense and was uh uh what's the word? Hopefully that it was all um chronological and made sense. So but yeah, we'll be back next weekend for episode ninety six. Uh we'll have the uh beer mile to discuss that we're running on on the sunday so stay tuned um thanks for listening team uh we really appreciate all the downloads from all over the world stay safe peace love unity and respect i don't know if anyone notices i put that on the uh, end of every show description in the show notes stay safe so stay well and uh keep running and catch ya.